Thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We know your life will be changed for the better by listening to God's word. If you'd like to know more about Trinity Beaumont or contribute to our ministry, please visit www.trinitybeaumont.com. So without further ado, I want to give him as much time as possible. Pastor Chad Gonzalez, (laughs) welcome back. Can you guys give him a round of applause? Why don't you stand up? Stand up. You can stay on the ground or wherever you want to go. Yeah, that's good. Praise the Lord. You can sit down. So funny story about Caitlin. So, so. I was quite a bit older, and she used to come over to our house, and we would babysit her. And I remember one of the things that stuck out to me about her, I remember she was at her house. We had a house in Lumberton, and she was a little bitty thing. I think she was maybe three, four, something like that. And so, you know, a real popular song back then was Can't Stop Praising His Name. I just can't stop praising his name. I just can't stop praising his name, Jesus. Anyway, well, she couldn't say stop. So she, but she loved that song. She would run around our house in the living room singing, can't top, praise his name, I can't top, praise his name, I can't top, I can't top. But thankfully she grew out of it and learned how to put a, put an S in there. So <laughs> praise the Lord. So anyway, hey, so humbled to be here. So excited to be here. I found out I missed the 40 year by one week, you know, <laughs> but, uh, but so nice to see so many wonderful faces, and I walked in and saw the, the picture wall there and saw so many faces from so long ago. This is, I haven't been, I haven't been in Beaumont in 16 years. I actually grew up in, in Beaumont, and I grew up at the building, you know, in South Park. I hadn't been here in 16 years, and so it was crazy, you know. I was telling Pastor Howard, you drive through, you hadn't been somewhere in so long, and you drive through, and you start seeing these buildings and locations and places, and all of a sudden, these memories just start just flooding you, and and some bring tears, and some bring her, and yeah, but, uh, but so excited to be here. Uh, God's been so good to us. We've been, we left 16 years ago. I graduated Rama in 2003, and we actually came back here for two years. I finished up my master's at Lamar, and, and then we moved to College Station, Texas, started a church there, and we pastored that church for six years, and then we turned that church over. Um, and then we moved to Jonesboro, Arkansas, which we just tell people right outside of Memphis because I felt like, I just felt pretty crummy saying I was living in Arkansas. So we just told everybody we lived outside of Memphis. Memphis sounded cooler, you know, even though you get shot there, but Memphis sounded cooler. And so uh, we, we took over a church there and got that fixed, and then we started another church, and so we just turned that church over a month and a half ago. But the whole, whole time we've been doing this, this healing piece has really just been the, the primary thing on the inside of me. Mark Hankin says it like this, you know, it's the thing that cranks my tractor, you know. Now, I'm not much of a farmer. I don't really identify with it so much, but I get what he's saying. Like, it just cranks the tractor. It's the thing that's always just driven me. And I'll never forget when we went to go start our church in, in College Station. You know, there was lots of churches there in big college town and we went there, but, but mine and Lacey's intention was this. We're going to go there, and we're going to see miracles or we're coming back home. Because there was lots of good churches that were already there, but I wanted to see some stuff. Now, I'm going to be honest. When we went to see some stuff, I wanted to see some stuff for me. I was just being selfish. 
I wanted to see, I wanted to have some encounters and experiences with God. I don't know about you, but I mean, I, I enjoyed reading my Bible, but I wanted to start seeing the Bible in demonstration, right? I mean, it's great to read the stories of the Old Testament and, and Moses and Joshua and Elijah and Elisha and, and then read about Jesus. But, you know, I found out very early that the gospel wasn't supposed to be just taught. It was also supposed to be demonstrated. It was also supposed to be manifested. It was also supposed to be experienced. Christianity is supposed to be a life of experience. Not just trying to be good and follow rules and all that type of stuff. It's supposed to be experience. It's about a true relationship with Christ. And yet we hear that all the time, you know, Christianity is not about rules and religion. It's about a relationship. Okay, but what type of relationship is it when the person you're in a relationship with, you never hear from and you never talk to, and you never experience, you never encounter? That's not a relationship. And so that's what I wanted. I wanted encounters. I wanted experiences. And I will never forget, it was our second month in, and the sweet little lady, I had a word of knowledge, and like we're as green as green can be. I mean, we made some of these mistakes, but we were just hungry. And I had a word of knowledge about this particular lady, and this lady comes up, and I, I got through ministering to her, and I opened my eyes, and there's this little elderly woman standing right beside her. And I said, what can I do for you, ma'am? And she said, I can't see. And I said, well, what do you mean you can't see? And she said, I can't see. Now, I'm hoping it's just, you know, I got some speckles in my eye, and it's kind of, I said, what do you mean you can't see? I'm 28 years old, and she goes, I'm blind. <laughs> and I mean, I'm as good, I never prayed for a blind, I didn't pray for anybody up until that point, really. I mean, you know, maybe a snotty nose or something like that. But so, but there's this idea, I've got to get good enough. You know, I've, I've got to have 20 years of ministry experience to handle a blind eye. Now, you know, a snotty nose or a headache, I could do that, you know, maybe day six of salvation. But, you know, we get to these big things and maybe it's day, you know, day 366 or, you know, 20 years or 25 years where I've gotten some degrees and some education. and I've really gotten spiritual, right, where I can really manifest some heaven. And, and so I'm not going to lie. I, I just I like to be real honest and raw about some of these things. On the inside, I just jumped back. Now, on the outside, you make it look like you know what you're doing, you know. But on the inside, I just jumped back, and, and it was, whoa. And, and I, but all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I mean, it was just like somebody just dropped something on me. I knew she was going to walk out of there seeing. And I, and I looked at her, and I said, ma'am, I'm going to lay hands on you. And I said, God's going to heal you. She said, okay. So she can't see anything, okay? I laid my hands on her and, uh, you know, pray with her, whatever. And so I took my hands off. And I was about to say this. I was about to say, uh, tell me if you can see something. And as soon as I was about to say that, I was instantly reminded of the story of Brother Hagin. I could hear Brother Hagin speaking in my head about if the badge of doubt, you know, and, and this, this thing that happened with Jesus and this guy with, with a back issue and all this type of stuff. And I caught myself, and I looked at her and said, tell me what you see. And she said, well, she said, I can see a little bit, but it's, but it's kind of blurry and it's all black and white, but I can kind of see a little bit. Well, just the fact she could see something, I got excited, you know. <laughs> just the fact she could see something, automatically it gets, it gets a little pep in your step. You, you, you're getting a little confidence, you know. And so I looked at her, and I said, well, we're going to lay hands on you again. You know, Jesus laid hands on the guy two times. And so, 
I laid hands on her again, and I said, tell me what you can see. And I had a suit and tie on at that day. You know, I was Creflo Dollar T.D. Jakes, and the, you know. I mean, I had the pinstripes and the cufflinks and the bling-bling, you know, the, the crocodile shoes, and I thought that's the what you had to do to have the anointing. Seriously, I mean, that's kind of what the idea was back then. And so I laid hands on her. I said, well, what can you see? And she said, well, I can see the outline of your tie. But she said, but everything's still a little grainy. And I looked at her just real bold. I said, I'm going to lay hands on you one more time. And I said, I'm going to lay hands on you one more time, and you're going to walk away here completely seeing, completely seeing. And she said, okay. So I laid my hands on her, took my hands off, said, what can you see? And she starts describing every detail, the color in my tie, my clothes. And at that point, I took off running all around this little room. And the whole place went nuts. And a month later, uh, same thing, we were ministering stuff. And this uh, elderly woman, she came up, and she had brought her grandson. And, and just think about it, it still just touched me. I mean, this was 15 years ago. And I'll never forget, we were, it, was a, it was an auditorium, well, auditorium, it was a, a restaurant, 4,000-square-foot restaurant directly across the street from Texas A&M. And we had gutted it, and we had three little bitty sections. And, I mean, you could, you could sardine squeeze 100 people in this thing. And it was over here, and this, this early woman comes up, and she's got a four-year-old little boy she's holding in her, in her arms. It's her grandson. And I said, what's going on? And she said, well, he's been diagnosed with Hodgkin's. He has cancer, and he has three tumors on his head. And she pulled back his hair, and you could see one in the middle is about the size of a quarter, and the, the, the two on each side was about the size of a, of a dime. And so I put him in my arms, and I, I put my hand on his head, and we prayed. Nothing happened that we could see. And so I just told everybody, I said, hey, let's lift our hands, and let's just thank God for what's taking place in his body right now. And so we lift our hands, and we just begin to worship and thank God for, for healing taking place in this boy. Now, everybody has their hands raised. I still got my hand on his head. And we're just praying. And, and then all of a sudden, I became so overcome with emotion. I became so mad at what Satan was doing to this little boy. Now, I mean, I'm not saying that sin causes all these things to happen, but I'm thinking of it like this. Here's a little boy. He's never done anything, Right? I mean, innocent as innocent can be, hasn't done anything to deserve this, not that we deserve those things, but hasn't done anything. And I was so overcome with it. It was the first time I truly realized the compassion of Jesus. And I just started bawling. I'm bawling, and yet I'm crying, and yet I'm thanking God. And then all of a sudden, it was like somebody put a pin in a balloon. And I felt that larger tumor. I felt it under my hand. I felt it just going, shh. Well, that's happening. You know, that'll kind of freak you out a little bit. That's happening. And I, look, I looked, and it's, 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 I mean, it's like this teeny, teeny, teeny. And I said, Grandma, you got to come see this. Well, Grandma comes running up, and she starts combing through his hair, and she said, oh, my God, the other two are gone. And she said, the big one's the size of a little pea. Well, I mean, we just start praising God and stuff, and this was like our second month into, you know, our church, and, and we don't know anything. I mean, we're just trying to figure some things out. But just hungry, you know hungry and going after these things. And so he had already had a doctor's appointment two days later, you know, for checkups and follow-ups and stuff. And they took him to the doctor over in Austin, and they scanned him, and they couldn't find the tumors, and they scanned him and couldn't find the cancer. <clears throat> and the, the reason I tell you that is that, number one, those things just even more fueled 
the fact of we've got to get better at this. And it fueled this hunger on the inside of me that, that I was beginning to experience things. And I mean, for, for years there in College Station, I mean, we were seeing miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. We told everybody last, last night, it literally got to the point. I mean, people would come from certain denominational churches who bashed Kenneth Hagin from the pulpit online, Kenneth Copeland, whoever, the Haganites, Copelandites, you know, Jesse Duplantisites, whatever. Bashed them, but they would come to our church to get healed and then go back. And we literally had someone, we literally had someone on the way to the emergency room stop at our church. The husband ran in the back doors, stopping the service, and said, you've got to come out here and pray for my wife. So we stopped the service. I still got my mic on. We run out there. I crawl inside the van where his wife is, lay hands on her. She gets healed of what's going on. They turn around, they go back home. But he said, he said, we're on our way to the ER, but my wife heard about all the miracles that are happening. She wanted us to stop by the church first. Amen. Come on. Hallelujah. So it was fueling th- this, this hunger and this passion on the inside of us. But it was also getting us to this point where over time it got to where now I wasn't wanting to see the miracles just for me. I wanted to see them for other people. I wanted to see them for other people. And then it got to the point over these last few years where it wasn't even just that. I just wanted to experience him. Because with every encounter, with every experience, I was getting to know him more and more. And I found out with every encounter, it's just another invitation for another one. Because that's what Christianity is really all about. It's about knowing the one who knows us. You know, Jesus made this comment, and it's, it's not what we're going to talk about today, but it's one I've really chewed on for a while. And Jesus made this statement in John. And remember, Jesus is doing life as a man. He's doing life like us. Jesus anointed by God, anointed by the Holy Ghost, Jesus of Nazareth. <clears throat> Luke chapter 2 says the child Jesus grew not only in stature, but also in wisdom. Well, God doesn't grow in wisdom. He is wisdom, but a man does. God doesn't need to be anointed, but a man does. Jesus is doing life like us. And yet Jesus makes this marvelous statement that just make your mind just go tilt. And he goes, as the Father knows me, I know him. Well, I want to be there. And we're going after that. We're going after that. But these things are available for us. But the other reason I tell you about some of those stories is that there's always that temptation to think I'm not good enough. Even if you've even after you've been to Bible school, even after you've done all these things, you could have multiple doctorates and stuff. But I'm telling you, there's always situations you could stand before a situation in life and still be thinking, I haven't done enough. I'm not good enough. I should have prayed more. I should have read more. I should have done more of these things to get more prepared. But guys, think about it. How prepared, honestly, can you get to deal with a blind person or a deaf person or a cancer person or a wheelchair person? I mean, how much can we work up to become the healer? But it's not about us. It's about the grace of God, and it's about him working through us. And yet the thing is, is that you and I, we have to understand we are good enough. Before him, we were not good enough. After we got born again, we're more than good enough. Not because of us, but because of the one who is good enough, who made us more than enough. So let me show you a couple of things here this morning. If you want to turn over to uh, Luke chapter 5.
If you were here last night, there's no pizza this morning, so I apologize. There might be some old stale pizza. But. Luke chapter 5, great story here, real story, something that very much truly happened. Luke chapter 5 and verse 17. This right here is a story of, of Jesus and the paralyzed man. Uh, he had these four crazy friends that brought him to this meeting at Peter's house, and they rip off the roof, and they drop this paralyzed man down through the roof. And in John chapter 5 and verse uh, 18, it says, Behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. When they could not find out how they could bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to them, Man, your sins are forgiven you. Isn't this interesting? This man came to a healing meeting, and Jesus looked at him and said, You're forgiven. Isn't that interesting? And many of us would say, well, I didn't come to get forgiven. I came to get healed. Right? I mean, he came for a healing meeting. He needs a miracle in his life. Jesus must have messed things up. He, he misunderstood the guy wanted to be forgiven. <laughs> Jesus said, man, your sins are forgiven you. And I didn't come to get forgiven. I don't need to, I need to be healed. But Jesus must have understood what was going on and must have understood what needed to be taken care of. He looked at him and said, man, your sins are forgiven you. He said, you're forgiven. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason. So we still got lots of those today. Take notes against you and stuff. Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which one's easier to say? Underline this, highlight it, post it, note it. Get this right here, this statement right here. Jesus said, which one's easier? Which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven you. Or to say, rise up and walk. He said, which one's easier? So what you find here is Jesus, he's putting forgiveness and healing on the very same level. And not just on the same level, he's putting them in a relationship. In other words, if you had an old-timey scale, if you had an old-timey scale, you know, and there's two sides to it, and if you were to put forgiveness on one side of the scale, and you were to put healing on the other side of the scale, they would even out and be on the same side. Now, in the eyes of the church today, if you were to put forgiveness on one side and healing on the other side, forgiveness would be here and healing would be way down here. Why? Because in our eyes, in our mind, in our soul, forgiveness is easy and healing is very hard. Forgiveness is normal. Healing is abnormal. Jesus providing salvation is easy. Jesus providing healing is hard. And it's sad to say, but even in the faith camp. Because I get lots of messages. I'll tell you this. There was a, uh, <clears throat> there's been a couple of, couple of individuals, a couple of, of, of pastors, um, directors and and people that's been very successful in doing some stuff and had some conversations with them uh there was two in particular had we sat and had lunch together and they asked me if we could meet and i said yeah and, and so much more experienced than me much wiser than me much more fruit than me and yet the same conversation they said you know i know you've been seeing a lot of miracles and a lot of a lot of healings and stuff like that and i, I remember this it's a friend of mine and he was working through some things, and he said, you know, 
And I think he had about seven, 800 people every Sunday. I mean, good-sized church. And he said, you know, it's really become just kind of a waste of time to pray for people at our church. You know, I'm not showing my facial expressions, but on the inside, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, but I understood where he was coming from because I'd been having these conversations with people. And it's just, just become kind of a waste of time. Like he said, if I'm being honest, I just kind of dread when somebody raised their hand and says, hey, can we pray for, you know, Aunt Susie or, you know, whatever. He said, because nobody gets healed. And he said, it's really gotten to the point I'm, I'm starting to really kind of question some things. I know of a couple right now, uh, the wife actually traveled with Brother Hagen for several years. And they're at the point now, they're even questioning if they believe in healing. Because there was a little bit of a cancer scare. I, there was another pastor that told me, Rama graduate, he said, I've been pastoring for five years. If anybody's gotten healed in my church, I'm not aware of it. And this is happening more and more and more and more and more and more and more. And because the problem is, you know, you can teach, 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 teach something. But if you're not seeing anything, after a while, you start to wonder, is it even real? And so that's where we've got, we've got to get better at this. And we realize God is not the issue. We're the ones in the way. And this is one of the things right here. This is so simple, so basic, so elementary. If we could get a hold of this that we're talking about this morning, I'm telling you, miracles will begin to explode in our lives. Jesus, here's a guy that comes for healing, and Jesus looks at him and says, dude, you're forgiven. And nothing happens. And then the Pharisees get all upset, and then Jesus looks at him and says, but which one's easier? To say you're forgiven or to say that you're healed? Jesus said, which one's easier? They're on the same scale. And they're, they're of the same weight. But you know this as well as I do because I've been there. And I'm constantly having to renew my mind and, and bring my mind back over and set it and set it and set it. That healing is just as easy as forgiveness. It's just as easy. It's just as easy. Because Jesus said so. He said, which one's easier? To say you're forgiven or to say rise up and walk? But that you would know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He looks at the paralyzed man and said, take up your bed and walk. So again, here Jesus goes again. He says, so that you would know that you are forgiven, rise up, take your bed and walk. He equates the two and puts them together. He correlates them together in the very same relationship. The very same relationship. So in other words, according to Jesus, once you get forgiven, you get healed. Right? Once you get forgiven, you get healed. Once you get forgiven, you get... So when do you get forgiven? When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Well, according to Jesus, not, not your favorite TV preacher or whatever, according to Jesus himself, when you get forgiven, that's also when you got healed. And he's not talking about just spiritual healing. Obviously, he's talking about physical too. Right? And this is Jesus here. This, this isn't your Hagen or Copeland or, you know, who, whatever. This is Jesus here. And he's talking about physical. But then this, this kind of gets into what we were talking about last night. Something spiritual happens for you, but it's supposed to affect the, spirit, the, the physical. You begin to live from the inside. Something happens on the inside, and all of a sudden it begins to, to affect what's on the outside. And, oh, what a change in my life. Remember, something on the inside, working on the outside. I got all these corny songs I still remember from the 80s. 
So, so with that story there, now look, I want you to turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. These are all scriptures that I guarantee the vast majority you already know, you've already read them. I just want to help you maybe kind of see it in a different light or maybe just kind of remind you of some things and make it more real to you. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17, Jesus said, if you're in me, you're a brand new creation. Paul's letting us know here, he said, if you're in Christ, you're a brand new creation. You're where? Come on. These are my goofy little illustrations. If you're in Christ, if you get in him, right? When you get in him, you become brand new, brand spanking new, something that never existed before. Brand new. You become in him, in Christed. You become brand new. Old things pass away. All things have become new. And then if you go down to verse 21, he said, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Jesus, who is sinless, the spotless lamb, he became sin. He didn't just take your sin, he became it. He didn't just take it, because, you know, if I take something from you, I can give it back. Jesus became it. I firmly believe it's one of the reasons that the Bible says that when he was there on the cross, he became so disfigured, he didn't even look like a human anymore. Not just because of the beatings and stuff, because he became sin. All of the sin of the world began to fill up his spirit, and then it began to manifest in his flesh. And he took on all sin and every stinking, rotten, demonic sickness in that body. Every sin, every sickness in that body, and all of a sudden, that body just began to just, 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 ugh. He became it. He didn't just take it from you. He became it. And yet in the very same way that Jesus not only took it, but he became it. In the very same way he became it, you became righteous. Now, for many of us, it's a big, fancy, long word, and a lot of times we don't get the, the, the gist of it. But we became the righteousness of God, or you could just say the rightness of God, or you could just say in the very same way that God is right, he made you right. He made you right. How did you become right when you got in him? Now think about this. You cannot become in, in union with the Christ. You cannot become one with God if you're not as holy as he is. You cannot get in God, in Christ, become one with him if you're not to the very, very insane degree right as he is. God cannot unite himself with something that is imperfect, even in the slightest, minutest way. In other words, for you to become one with him, you have to be made in the very same image, the very same likeness. You have to have the very same substance. You have to have the very same stuff as him to become one with him. You have to. It's the reason Jesus, when he was in the garden in John 17, he prayed. He said, Father, I pray." That as I'm in you and you are me, that, that, that they would be one in us. That the world would know that you sent me. And he said, in the very same glory that you gave me, I have given it unto them so that we would be one. The very same glory. You got to have the same stuff to be united with him. God does not unite himself with junk. He does not unite himself with things that are imperfect. He does not unite himself with anyone that is even the slightest bit unrighteous. When you got in him, you were absolutely perfect. Absolutely perfect. 
And that's why when we stand before a sickness, stand before a disease, stand before a cancer, stand before a tumor, stand before a blind eye, a deaf ear, or whatever, you have to stand before it knowing that you are righteous. It is unrighteous. And that despite what I've done, I'm going to kick the dog this morning. I'm going to yell at my wife on the way. None of those things can make me what I needed to be to be able to represent him. It's the grace piece that's been missing in much of our faith message. I can't do any of these things to get good enough. If I can, Jesus wasted his time. Jesus made me righteous. Thank God, righteousness, yes, it is a gift. But it was a gift that made me something. Therefore, there's nothing that I can do to change who I am. I will always be Chad. I could bleach my skin. I could do all kinds of things. I could darken my skin. I could change me up. I'm, it's, I'm still going to be me. Still going to be Chad. There's nothing I can do. I could, I could go do some horrible things out here in this world. It's still not going to change. I'm Chad. I could do some great things in the world. It's still not going to change that I'm Chad. Jesus made me right. I mean, it's just a staggering statement to our little peanut brain to think about it. I mean, we, we know God's right. We know he, he's, he's perfect. He, he's, he's complete. I mean, there, there's nothing missing, nothing broken. I mean, he's just absolutely perfection. And it almost seems blasphemous to think that I'm like him. But if it starts to seem that way, it's because we've got cursed thinking and we've got to get some blessed thinking. We've got to get some righteous thinking. We've got to expand our soul to what Jesus really wanted to do for it. Jesus is the one who came down so he could lift you up. We're not lifting ourselves up, and that's where a lot of people miss it. They think we're trying to lift ourselves up and exalt ourselves. No, this was God's idea. Jesus is the one who took on humanity and came down to this earth so he could lift us up into some divinity in him. He raised us up, and God made us to sit down in Christ. The reason I believe he made us to sit down because a lot of us still don't think we're good enough. <laughs> he said, I'm going to make you sit here even though you don't think you're good enough. Right? He made us sit down in Christ. In Christ. We're right. He made us righteous. Now, remember what Jesus said. When you're forgiven, you're also healed. Well, right here, Jesus made me righteous. Well, in order for me to be right righteous that means there must not be any sin there anymore wherever there was a spot wherever there was a wrinkle wherever there was a blemish that was absolutely annihilated and i became just like jesus See, this is where the church has missed it. We, and we talked about some of it last night. We, we, we look at Jesus and we, and we preach it and we look at it as us separated. It's time we start looking at it as us united. That when I read about Jesus walking and moving and healing and raising the dead and casting out devils and doing all these things, I need to not see just Jesus. I need to see me. I don't need to see myself anymore as the one running to Jesus. I need to see, the, see myself as Jesus in me and people running to me. Not because I'm special, because of the great big Christ on the inside of me. I've got to see myself in union with him. And the more I see myself one with him, then the more I begin to see heaven manifest on this earth. Because you can't manifest heaven if you don't think you're good enough. 
God can deposit all that he is on the inside of you, and he did. But if you don't think you're good enough, if you think there's even the slightest little reason why you can't, you just disqualified yourself. And yet every single one of us in here, if you've accepted Jesus and you got in him, there was mighty deposits of grace and anointings and life and power on the inside of you, not just for you, but also for other people. But God would not have given you those things if you weren't good enough to be able to accept them and handle them and use them. Jesus made you right. And yet he also said again, when you become right, you could say when you're forgiven, when you become right, then you also become healed. So a very, very familiar scripture when it comes to healing is 1 Peter 2, verse 24. So why don't you turn over there? 1 Peter chapter 2 and 24. So when we read 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, when we quote that, we pretty much always just say this, by the stripes of Jesus, what? By the stripes of Jesus, you were healed. So if you were to ask most people, what's 1 Peter 2, 24? That's what they would say. Well, by the stripes of Jesus, you were healed. Well, that's part of it, but that isn't, the whole scripture, and it's actually not even the focus. Let's read 1 Peter 2, 24 as, as a whole here. It says, who himself, talking about Jesus, he bore our what? He bore our sins. So we're talking about sins here. The forgiveness of sins, taking away all unrighteousness, right? I mean, we're, we're kind of setting some, some things up here. He took our sins. He became sin. He took our sins in his own body on the tree, that we having done what? Underline it. We having died to sin, right? We died. Amen. Be in Christ. He becomes brand new. A new way of living has begun. He's died to sins. So he would live for righteousness. When sin was taken away, it was so that I could live for right. It was so that I could live out who I am. And then he adds on this little sentence here. And, and oh yeah, by the way, and by the stripes of Jesus, you were healed. So it's interesting to me that 1 Peter 2, 24, we've made the focus of that healing, but in all actuality, the focus of that statement was about righteousness. The focus of that statement is you're forgiven. The focus of that statement is you've been made right. You've been justified. You've been made right. Every, every wrinkle, every flaw, every blemish has been taken out. And yet, oh yeah, by the way, one of the byproducts of being made righteous is you're healed. See, we've put our focus on the byproduct instead of putting our focus on the source. The source of healing was righteousness. And we forget that healing is actually a spiritual thing that affects your physical body. Many of us have been chasing after the byproduct when we need to just focus in on the source. The source is who I am in him but we've lost focus of that that's why we're running over here we're running over here and trying to get this and trying to do this and, and trying to get more anointed and trying to find the right teacher and trying to make the right confessions and we're trying to do all these things to get the byproduct and if we're doing all those things it means that we stepped out of our position because the moment I step out of who I'm one with now it's me and it's self and I'm trying to do it all on my own 
and now it's called works. I can call it faith. I can close it and call it whatever I want. But if I'm out here trying to obtain it all on my own, it's works and it ain't going to work. You can call it whatever you want. As soon as you step outside of that position, that union, you just stepped into works. If you're chasing the byproduct, you've forgotten about the source. The source is always Jesus. He is the way. He is the, he's not only the door, the access into these things, he's also the way. He's the standard of what's available. If you want to know who you are, look at him. If you want to know what you can do, look at him. If you want to know what's available, look at him. And the more that you look at him, you'll see you. The more you understand who he is, the more you understand you. See, the problem is we're looking in the mirror in the morning, we're primping and prepping, and ooh, I'm sexy, I'm good looking, and this and that. And I'm basing everything about what I see in that mirror instead of looking in the mirror of the word Jesus and seeing what he is and what he has. That's when I discover me. And once I discover me, then I discover what I can do and what I have. And I stop chasing after things and I just start manifesting things. So he says, Jesus, he took on those sins. He became sin. Right? So we could live unto righteousness. I mean, you're starting to see very simple, very basic, but just this connection, righteousness, healing. And yet some people will sit there and say, oh, brother, he's talking about spiritual healing right here. But no, 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 no. Peter's quoting who? Little Bible scholars. Isaiah. And yet, isn't it interesting that Matthew also quotes Isaiah, right? And in Matthew, when he's quoting Isaiah, he's quoting Isaiah, talking about Jesus fulfilling it when Jesus was healing people physically and casting out demons. So this isn't just talking about some spiritual healing. This is talking about physical healing. He's talking about forgiveness of sins, actually doing something to your body. But isn't it interesting that sickness didn't show up on the planet till somebody sinned? When Adam sinned, the curse came on this planet. And when the curse showed up, sickness showed up. Poverty showed up. Addiction showed up. Depression showed up. Disease showed up. All of these things began to happen. And yet the Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 3 that Jesus, he became the curse for us. He removed all the sin. He took it all on. He became the penalty for that so you and I could become the righteousness of God in Christ. And yet, according to Jesus and according to Peter and according to Paul, once I got forgiven, once I became in Christed, once I became righteous, I became healed too. In other words, my righteousness is supposed to affect my body. It's not only to affect my spirit, it's also to affect my body. Righteousness was not only to affect my spirit, according to 1 Peter 2.24, it was also to affect my physical body. Righteousness. Righteousness. Why? Because I got forgiven. And so this is where there's been the disconnect. And that for many of us, and I've been there, done that many a time, that by the stripes of Jesus, I know I'm healed, but I'm not. And so now I've got to get healed. 
and I'm doing these things to get healed. But I'm quoting, confessing, but I am healed. But I'm not healed. I'm trying to get healed. So which one is it? Kind of schizophrenic a little bit. I mean, which one is it? You were healed, and I'm not healed. I need to get healed, but I believe that I'm healed, but I'm just waiting on it to manifest. I mean, all these things that we say and we do, I'm not making fun. I've done it. I've been there. But we've got to watch out that, that we don't fall into this trap of we do all these things and say these spiritual things to try to make ourselves feel better and try to fill a gap that we know is missing. And we just need to humble ourselves and realize, hey, you know what? Maybe there's something in my doctrine. Maybe there's something that I think that maybe needs to be tweaked or just taken out. Maybe my focus is just wrong. And I believe for the vast majority of us, it's that. We know the word. We know the scripture. We can quote all the healing scriptures, but our focus just needs to be turned. Because we're focused on, those of you here last night, we're focused on the pizza box. And we need to get focused again, once again, on the pizza. We're so focused on the body, but this body isn't what became righteous. It's me, the spirit man, united with Christ, that became righteous, became right. In the very same way that God is right, I became right. And the more I become, to become focused on that, the more conscious I begin to become of who I am, the more connected I get to who I am. According to Jesus, according to Paul, according to Peter, that is supposed to automatically affect the box. So in actuality, according to the eyes of God, when he sees you as forgiven, he, all, he automatically sees you as healed. Isn't this interesting? Paul makes this statement in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. He said that you have received, in Christ, you've received all of the spiritual blessings, all the blessings of heaven. You've received all of them in Christ. This is the Chad and Jake version. My son's Jake. This is the Chad and Jake version. We started making him learn in Christ scriptures from a very young age. And this is the Chad and Jake version. Everything heaven has to offer is mine in Christ. Everything heaven has to offer is already mine in Christ. Everything heaven has to offer is already mine. But like we said last night, we, we've got this disconnect when it comes to healing that we believe that Jesus already died for it. We believe Jesus paid the price for it. We believe that legally it's already ours. Okay, but where the heck is it? Right? Let's just be honest. Where's it at? Where's it at? Well, we've had this warped idea that when God moved on the inside of us, he left it up there. And so now I've got to find the right lever to turn and the right button to push and the right, right knob to grab and, and the right thing to do this and that to get God to, to let it go. But if he moved on the inside of me and he gave me all the wonderful blessings of heaven in Christ, how could it not already be there? This is just, you know, this is baby stuff. How could it not already be there? So maybe instead of me looking to heaven and trying to figure out how to pull the right lever and do the right things to get it, maybe I just need to start again focusing on my union, my righteousness, and who's on the inside of me. This very, 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 very simple message of Christ in me. God, Brother Hagin used to say it like this, you need to become more God-inside-minded. And yet many of the same people that are, that are saying, yeah, we need to be more God inside minded. I'm God inside minded. All right, God, I need you to release your power. 
But see, it's not only for our healing and for ourselves individually, but it's also for other people, ministering to other people. We think there's got to be something extra special that needs to be let go and released. What's funny that the early church didn't pray like the modern church does. The early church actually believed that through salvation and the baptism of the Holy Ghost, they had enough. The modern church doesn't think we have even close to enough. We don't. We, we sing it in our songs. We preach it in our messages. We don't, we don't think we have enough. And yet then we wonder, why aren't we seeing the moves of God that we know that we should? God isn't holding out. We think we've got to figure out how to twist God's thumbs to try to get him to do something. And yet, you know, we made mention of it last night too. I mean, when's the last time you saw a Facebook prayer chain to get somebody forgiven? Let's get everybody praying because, you know, Caitlin, she sinned bad. <laughs> Pastor Caitlin sinned really bad. Everybody, let's get praying that God would forgive Caitlin. When's the last time, let's just be honest, when's the last time you saw a Facebook prayer chain for somebody to get forgiven? Never. When's the last time you saw a Facebook prayer chain for someone to get healed? I mean, two, two seconds ago. I mean. <laughs> I'm not making light of it. I know people are going through stuff. I get it. I get it. But, but that right there, that simple little example right there, it shows you where our minds are at. It's like, okay, let's get everybody praying. Because, you know, God doesn't, he's not going to do something until we can bombard the gates of heaven. And we can, we can get enough people to try to convince them to get off his rear end and actually love somebody and heal somebody. Let's get everybody praying. Let's get everybody praying cause so we can get God to do something. Well, I'm sorry. According just to the things that we're reading right here, God already did something. And the way that he did it was, for the Christian, he put it on the inside of him. So that everywhere that you go, no matter what happens in life, no matter what comes against you, you're really literally like a walking pharmacy. You're like a CVS, a Walgreens combined on the inside. That no matter what comes your way, there's enough power, there's enough righteousness on the inside to combat any unrighteousness that comes against you. John G. Lake made a wonderful statement and he said this, he said, I am determined that if I can maintain my consciousness of God in me, there's no sickness or no disease that can come against me and stay and the spirit of God not flow through my soul and flow through my body and kill it. I love the fact that he said, he said my soul, my mind, if I can maintain that consciousness of who is on the inside of me, there's nothing of hell that can touch this body and what's on the inside flow out into my body and kill it on contact. Righteousness. Sickness and disease, it's of the curse. It's of the earth. It's not of where I'm from. And where I'm from is far superior to where I'm at. You and I are literally aliens. People have asked before, do you believe in aliens? I say, yeah, it's scriptural. <laughs> what are you talking about? Well, Jesus said it in John 17. He said, you're not of this world as I'm not of this world. You're looking at one right here. 
I got a little green gobbly goo on the inside. And it's called the life of God. I'm not of this world. So why would I identify with what's normal in this world? But the more I identify with what's normal in this world, ah, then it starts to get hard to manifest what's normal from where I'm from. Because now I'm connected more to this world. I'm connected more to the world's reality of what's normal. And I'm starting to, I start to forget, and it doesn't take long, start to forget, start to, start to become less conscious of the righteousness that I am. Real quickly, turn over to uh, Romans. Actually, while we're turning to Romans, I want you to flip over to, to Hebrews real quick. I want you to see this. Hebrews chapter 10, and we'll finish up here. Hebrews chapter 10. I think it's Hebrews 10. Yeah. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12, says, This man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, forever he offered he offered a sacrifice for what see jesus was going after what he was going after the source right he wasn't going after the byproducts he's going after the source and what was the source of all sickness and all disease all depression all addiction all these things poverty what was the source sin when jesus had offered one sacrifice for sins for how long forever he sat down at the right hand of god and from that time, waiting till his enemies were made his footstool. Look at verse 14. I mean, it's fabulous. It's wonderful. For by what? For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. In other words, what he tells us is, the moment of salvation, you became absolutely perfect. Now, there's a difference between perfect, perfection and maturity. Right? I mean, when I was born, I know I was perfect. But I had a whole lot of maturing to do. Right? And when you and I, when we get born again, we're made absolutely perfect. So even while you're working out your salvation, God sees you as perfect. Even in your mess, you're still just like the Messiah. Why do we feel condemned so many times? Because we're looking at the body. We're looking at my actions. We're looking at what I did or what I didn't do. We're looking at the pizza box. Why do I feel condemned? The moment I feel condemned is the moment I stopped looking at myself outside of Jesus. The moment you see yourself outside of Jesus is the very moment you're never good enough. But the moment I get my eyes back on him, that's when I see myself as perfect, complete, nothing missing, nothing, nothing broken, absolutely, complete, 100% right. Jesus is the one who did it. He perfected forever. He did it forever. That means I can't mess it up. He perfected forever those who are being sanctified. I love that Paul tells us because he's letting you know, hey, while you're working your mess out, while you're working some stuff out, God still sees you perfect. You know this to be true. Those of you that have kids, I mean, my Lord. You look at those, those, those children, 
and you see the stuff that they do and the, where they want to make you just pull your hair out and scream and holler and give them to grandparents for five years or something like you see that and yet yet despite their actions despite the time that they you know when they're a baby they peed in your face or they they threw food in your face or they disobeyed you or they lied and said that they actually you know cleaned the room when they did despite all of that it does not change the fact that on the inside you see them as absolutely perfect and despite all of those things and mess ups and stuff that they would do there's nothing in your heart because of your love for them that you would still withhold from them even though they messed up there's times that you know i had a little surprise or lacy had a surprise for jake and we were going to give it to him right before we gave it to him he did something and there's a part of you that gets upset but then there's a part of you that still just loves him so much, and yeah, here you go, I just because just I love you. And there's stuff that times I've done that with Lacey, and I just withheld it for a while, because, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> but it's a different relationship, you know, your spouse and then your kid, because that kid's of you, right? Of you, of your blood, your DNA, and that's what you've been made. You are children of God, born of God, born of God righteousness he perfected forever all those who are being sanctified all those who are being sanctified now this is where we're going to finish up romans chapter 6 romans 6 powerful powerful chapter and actually i want to read this i brought my passion translation i'll read this other passion Romans chapter 6, this is out of the Passion Translation. And in verse uh, 3, it says, Have you forgotten that all of us who were immersed in the union with Jesus, we were also immersed in the union with his death? We shared in his death by our baptism, which means that we were co-buried with him. So that when the Father's glory raised Christ from the dead, we were also raised with him. We've been co-resurrected with him so that we could also be empowered to walk in the freshness of a brand new life. The Greek actually brings out the same life. Think about this, friends. The very life that Jesus is living right now. The very life Jesus is living right now is the very same life you and I are to live right now. The only difference between Jesus and you right now is he has an immortal body, you have a mortal body. That's it. The only thing that's going to change about you when you take your last breath and you show up to be with him, the only thing that's going to change there is the fact that you get a new body. But everything about you has already been made perfect. That doesn't change whether you're here or whether you're there. He said, experience the same brand new life, the same type of life. And he said, since we're permanently grafted into him we ex to experience a death like his, then we're permanently grafted into him to experience a resurrection life like his and the new life that it imparts. Verse 6, could it be any clearer now that our former identity is now and forever deprived of its power? For we were co-crucified with him, I love this phrase, to dismantle the stronghold of sin within us so that we would no longer continue to live one moment longer submitted to sin's power. Well, now remember, Jesus equated sin with what? Sickness. And we know that sin is the source. Again, I'm not saying if somebody's sick, it's because they sin. I'm talking about the root of it in this world. 
that sin produced all of these byproducts. So when, when the source is taken away, that must mean that all of the byproducts are taken away. So in reality, where you see the word sin, you could substitute any of the byproducts. And you're not adding to or taking away from Scripture. So in reality, you could read it like this. Could it be any clearer that our former identity is now and forever deprived of its power? For when we were co-crucified with him to dismantle the stronghold of sickness within us so that we would no longer continue to live one moment longer submitted to sickness's power. Obviously, a dead person is incapable of sinning. Obviously, a dead person is incapable of being sick. How many dead people do you know that are sick right now? Sickness, because it, it can't live there anymore. Because when someone takes that last breath and they're gone, there, there's nothing for the sickness to thrive on anymore. The body's dead. And he's letting you know here from the, from the spiritual side, and because, again, healing, it's a spiritual thing because its root, its source is in righteousness. The removal of sin. Obviously, a dead person isn't capable of sinning or being sick. If we were co-crucified with the anointed one, we know that we will also share in the fullness of his life. And know that since the anointed one has been raised from the dead to die no more, his resurrection life is vanquished death and its power over him is finished. By his sacrifice, he died to sin's power once and for all. For by his sacrifice, he died to sickness's power once and for all. But he now lives continually for the Father's pleasure. So let it be the very same way with you. I just said it. The very same life Jesus is experiencing right now, Paul's saying, I want you to experience it right now too. Yeah, but Jesus is in heaven. So, you were united with him. You have the very same stuff on the inside of you. You were made to be like him, so you could act like him, so you could represent him with absolute perfection on this planet. Paul said, you need to be just like that. You need to consider it to be just that very same way. This is Paul's words. He died to sin's power once and for all, but now he lives continually for the Father's pleasure. So let it be the same way with you. Since you're now joined with him, you must continually view yourselves as dead and unresponsive to sin's appeal. You must continually view yourselves as dead and unresponsive to sickness's appeal. See, in this world, there are voices and there are appeals. Here's a pain. Here's an ache. You know, it's flu season. You know, it's allergy season. Well, you know, you, you've got these changes that's going on in your hormones that we see. Or you know, you've got these changes that are happening in your cells that we see or in this organ. There's all of these appeals in this world that, hey, this is reality. Hey, this is reality. Hey, this is reality. These are things that's happening in your body. But wait a minute. What's going on in my body does not define what I have. And this is where we, 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 we've missed it, but I think this is where we fix it. That by the stripes of Jesus, I was healed. Doesn't matter what's going on here. And I know we've been saying that, but, but, but we, we, we just make a switch and we change a perspective and realize, but yeah, the reason that I am healed is because the power, the medicine that I need is already on the inside of me. And if my spirit is healed, then it's supposed to affect my body. 
if, if, I, if I'm righteous, then it's supposed to affect the unrighteousness trying to come in. There's always an appeal. This is yours. This virus, this is yours. You know what happens, you know, when you get the virus, there's sniffles and there's aches and there's no, you, there's all these things. And we get so aware of all of the symptoms, or you could say we get so aware of all of the appeals, we say, well, I'm, I must have it. And the moment that I see myself as unrighteous, obtaining unrighteous, is the moment I've stepped outside of my union, so to speak, and now I've come into agreement with these things. And yet Paul's saying, stop it. Anybody ever see that Newhart episode? Bob Newhart is the counselor. They pay $5 to come in there. It should just be the, the regular Christian counseling thing, really. So here's the story. You got to look it up. So Bob Newhart, he's being a counselor. And so this woman comes in there and she says, she says I'm having a hard time thinking that I'm going to, somebody's going to throw me in a box and I'm going to die. And he says, well, my, my charge is $5 per session. So she gives him $5. And he said, so what's the problem? He said, she said, well, you know, I have this fear that somebody's going to put me in a box and I'm going to die. And he said, well, has anybody threatened to put you in a box? And she said, no. And he said, stop it. <laughs> and she said, well, what do you mean? And he said, stop it. And she said, well, what do you mean? He says, has anybody threatened to put you in a box? She said, no. He says, is there even a box around you? No. Stop it. Stop thinking that way. Stop thinking that way. Stop thinking that way. Here's your $5. But this is what Paul's saying here. He said, you have to view yourself as dead and unresponsive to these things. Dead and unresponsive to these things. We have to view ourselves, in one sense, as dead to the things of the world. Dead to the sin, dead to, to the temptation, dead to the sickness, that I could literally walk into a room that's filled with germs, filled with bacteria, filled with virus, and the moment that it touches me, psst, dies. Why? Because I'm like a bug zapper. The life of God, so strong and so imminent on the inside of me that I view what's on the inside of me as greater than what's on the outside of me. Greater is he who's in you than he who is in the world, than the sickness that's in the world. Friends, this is how the church rises up in this very last day where there's fear and there's anxiety about all the things that are going on in this world. And friends, I'm telling you, there's something coming down the pipeline that's far worse than this man-made virus. And there's not going to be an answer for it in the world. But I'm telling you, by God, we have the answer. We better know we have the answer. So if the world turns around and says, where's the answer? And we can say, we've got the answer. You don't have to look to the government. You don't have to look to your president. You don't have to look to the WHO. You don't have to look to the CDC. You can look to the JC. You can look to Jesus Christ. And I represent him. And he's on the inside of me. And if you want to experience him, then just touch me. You don't have to go around trying to touch the hem of his garment. Just touch mine. I've got a robe of righteousness. I'm wearing a garment of salvation. And it put me in a position to manifest heaven and represent him with perfection because he made me that way. He made me righteous. He made me righteous. 
And yet Paul, from verses 1 through about 9 and 10 in Romans chapter 6, he's laying out the groundwork about what Jesus did for you and what he did in you and what he's trying to do through you. And there in verse 10 and 11 he says, Likewise you also consider yourself to be dead to sin. Likewise, in the very same way that Jesus considered himself to be dead to sin, in the very same way that Jesus considered himself to be dead to sickness, likewise, you also renew your mind, change your perspective, change the way that you think, change the way that you see, see like Jesus and see yourself dead to these things, but alive unto God, righteous just like he is, so that everything that's in the world, it cannot touch you. Paul said that. He said, it's already been done, but now you've got to change the way that you think so you can experience it. But the church today is saying, oh God, I know Jesus died, but I need more. I need more. I need more power. I need you to make me holy. I need you to do this for me. I need you to give me that. I don't have enough anointing. I don't have, no, friends, I'm telling you, we've got it. We just need to walk in it. But the thing is, the more you become aware of what you have, the more you will begin to walk in. Brother Hagin, I'll never forget this. I was in a meeting of his in Farmer's Branch. It was the first meeting. I mean, I was in, I paid attention to. Farmer's Branch, Texas. (laughs) I was 20 years old, and I will never forget the statement that he made. It didn't make sense to me then. It makes a whole lot of sense to me now. But he made this statement. And again, I have no idea why I still remember this statement. But he said this. He said, the greater the anointing on the giver, the less faith needed on the part of the receiver. And yet, the less anointing on the giver, the more faith needed on the part of the receiver. And I saw that happen a lot. Yet what I've begun to see, and I'm just saying this and we'll finish. When it comes to ministering people, what I've begun to see now, I've seen that to be true, but I just, I, I just happen to believe that you and I can get to such a place where we're so conscious of who's on the inside of us and who we represent, and not just who's with us, but who's in us. We can get to such a place that we have such boldness and such confidence, and we're so connected to God, so connected. That anybody who desires to be healed, whether their faith is at a level 20 or their faith is at a level 0.1, we can manifest Jesus with perfection. And we can get it taken care of. Come on, guys. All the people that came to Jesus, they weren't even saved. They were sinners. And if they could muster up enough faith to get healed as a sinner, And yet when I got in Christ and I got his faith, I think I've got more than enough faith to get it done. I think I've got more than enough to get it done. I mean, all the excuses you can come up with, Jesus already saved you from them. (laughs) Oh, every excuse that you could come up with, Jesus already saved you from it. He redeemed you from it. He already took care of all the excuses you could ever come up with. All you need to know is who's on the inside of you. He said, likewise, you also do this. Verse 12, sin is a dethroned monarch. Sickness is a dethroned monarch. So must, you must now no longer give it an opportunity to rule over your life. And this is the last one, I promise. He said right here. Instead, 
passionately answer God's call to keep yielding your body to him as one who has now already experienced resurrection life. You're already an eternal being. You're already saved. Again, the only thing that's going to change when you step on over is you're going to step into a new body, but you already made to be like him. We've been searching and we've been running, and guys, we've made this really, really hard. And I believe very firmly if we just get back to, to the simplicity of the gospel. That's what the gospel message is really just all about. Christ in me. That's what he came to do, to get on the inside of me so he could live through me, so people could experience him. That's literally what it's all about. We've gotten focused on how long your hair is and how much makeup you have and how long your dress is. And we got focused on, you know, we moved past that and then we got focused on all these other things. But it really is just that simple thing of, Jesus on the inside of me, becoming God-conscious, God-inside-minded, becoming aware of him so that he can flow through me effortlessly because I expanded my soul as to what's possible. I expanded my mind as to what's possible with him in me. Come on, right now, we're, we're sitting right here right now. If you come in here and maybe you were experiencing some things, you might want to check and see that some of those things have already gone because the righteousness that's on the inside of you start affecting the unrighteousness in your body. Let's just lift our hands and let's just thank him, Father. Father, I thank you for what you've made me. Thank you for what you've done for me through Jesus. Jesus, I thank you for your sacrifice. I thank you for making me one with you and you one with me. Thank you for your grace and your mercy that you've extended in my life, that through all the mess-ups and all of the mistakes, that you still saw me as perfect, you still saw me as lovely, you still saw me as good, you still saw me as righteous, because you took away all of those things that could change that about me. You made me just to be just like you. And all that's flowing in you right now, at the very right hand of God, it's flowing on the inside of me, right now that very same heavenly substance that eternal life the zoe life the abundant life that flows in the christ it flows in me right now it's flowing out of my spirit and flowing into my body it's flowing into my brain it's flowing into my blood cells it's giving me strength in my body and strengthening my mind it's dissolving tumors and dissolving growths it's mending hearts and creating new lungs and and creating new valves and, and causing pancreases to, to begin to function properly. And, and it's, it's fixing torn tendons and torn ligaments and, and knees and, 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 and ankles. And, and it's fisti- fixing those, those twisted hips and, and twisted spines. Not because of anything that we could do, but because of everything that you already did. And not just did legally, but literally did on the inside of our spirit. And yet, Father, thank you that because I'm forgiven and you're saved, and in reality I am healed and healing is being made manifest in my body right now strength in my body right now where I felt weak I'm actually strong where there was depression now there's joy where there was addiction to those things now there's addictions to you praise you Jesus praise you Jesus praise you Jesus Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. 
You're the pro combo says in Bala Kishime. Bro no no lo combo says in Mamba. Ken and Mala lo codro combo shishi. Brande bela la codro combo la kishi. Andre kide baro condo dos in Emma. Bro no do la kishi de bandobo. Bruno no 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 combo bora kishi neba. En and nandra ken and mono codro koshima. Praise you. Praise you. Praise you, praise you, praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 I just keep, keep hearing these words. There's a crossing over. 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 Like there, there was, there was a, a void or there was a, a waterway that was separating one piece of land to the other. And the one piece of land on the other side was the desired piece. And it was the more glorious piece. And there's a crossing over taking place right now from that one side over onto the other side. The greener grass, the more blessed grass, the promised land. There's a crossing over taking place. There's a crossing over taking place into the mighty glorious things of God that's been prepared for these very last days for us to walk in and to experience, to not just talk about, to not just pray pray about, to not just preach about, but to walk in. But to walk in. There's a crossing over for anybody who desires to begin to take steps on that bridge that's just been placed for you to cross on over and to begin to experience the goodness of God in the land of the living right now. There's a crossing over, a going from glory to glory to glory, a crossing over right now. Because we get out of the way so that we can follow the way. And the way can be the way of our life. I would dare say that there's several of you in here that's been believing for some things, and I'm telling you right now, this very simple truth of who you are and what you have, it is the bridge to cross over and experience that which you've been desiring. Hallelujah. Praise be unto God. That I am the righteousness of God in Christ. In Christ. In Christ. In Him. It's in Him that I live. And it's in Him that I move. And it's in Him that I have my being. It's no longer I who lives. But it's Christ who lives in me. For this life that I live in this flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who died and gave his life for me. 
So no longer set your sights on the realities of this earth, but set your sights on the realities of heaven. For you've died, and you're not, your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Set your sights there. Set your consciousness there. Set your thoughts and your mind there. For as you see there, then you can manifest here. You cannot manifest that which you're not conscious of. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. <sighs> Praise you, Father. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Father. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Praise you, Jesus. There's someone here this morning, you've been having some heart issues, something going on with your heart. Who is that? Something going on? Yes, ma'am, what's going on? Losing heart flock. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Go ahead, go ahead and put your, put your hand just right here on your chest. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We just release righteousness. We release life right now into that heart. That those valves would be mended right now. Thank you, Jesus. 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 <laughs> Remember, we used to, back in the old days before we began to understand, we used to sing a song, Created Me a Clean Heart, O God. Well, we need to understand that God gave us a brand new heart, and that brand new heart will create an organ. Because he made me clean, it will create what's unclean to be clean in my body. You got to realize David was saying that David wasn't saved. Thank you for, for creation, creative miracles taking place in there right now. Praise you. Praise you. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you that you are good and you are gracious. So wonderful, so magnificent, so amazing. You are big in this life and big in this body. That there would be such a consciousness of you that my heart would beat with your heart. That the pulse of me would be your pulse. Such a great awareness of you in me. 
absolute union. They were one spirit with the Lord. Bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. And he says, I'm not talking about a man or a woman. I'm talking about Jesus in you. Praise you, Jesus. 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 Praise you, Father. Ma'am, you don't have to ever worry about that heart again. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. And because you're righteous, God sees you as healed. And righteousness on the inside affects the unrighteousness on the outside and makes it right. It makes it right. See, we can wrong, or we can right the wrongs. 